It's episode 72 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Jonah Fazell. Hello! Hello. It is me, Jonah Fazell. Hello! This week's host. No, this week's guest. Oh, it's a takeover! Oh, oh, he's already taking over! Ah. <laughs> I've already, uh, regular listeners will know that I am not very good at answering questions. Some people might say I'm not very good at asking questions, <laughs> but that's by and by. Why the, would you say that was, though? Oh, you... I don't know! <laughs> Proving my own point. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. Um, and uh, thank you for being here. It's perhaps the correct thing, but we could just end up spinning that out for quite a long time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, thank you for being here. Um, we are we are sitting in the, the nursery theatre, the actual theatre of the nursery. Yes, we are. This is very exciting. Yeah, and we're on, um, even though the theatre's been open since sort of early summer, we are on opening week. Strangely, Ooh. how does that work? Time travel. I don't know. Yeah. Not only did we open the first... Uh, <laughs> Uh, kind of purpose-built London improv theatre, but um, we also invented time travel to do it. But, yeah. So, uh, but I, I thought that for some reason we're putting the improv thing first in the press release. I think the time travel... You're very much burying yeah. the lead there, I feel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put the time travel on the second page, which no one's going to yeah, read anyway. That's because Jules Munns decided not to kill Hitler, and oh. yeah, we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I will have to invite Jules on and delve very much into that side of things. I feel it's the sort of thing he would do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he had very good reasons. (laughs) Well, yes, and not only uh, are we in the opening week of the nursery, despite... The nursery's been open for a while. Yes. Although I might want to say that again because I, I should, didn't really come I out very probably. Should I clarify what I meant by that? Yeah, so we're, we're having a gala opening at <laughs> yes. the weekend. A red carpet gala opening. Which by the time this comes out would have happened. Well, so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so everyone could look back and go, oh yes, they did. And it would be, almost be like time travel. Yes, um, almost. Almost, yeah. Um, and before that, the day before that, there's Thursday Night Lights. Oh yes, Thursday Night Lights is back. Yeah, I love TNL. It's super exciting to get back into that as well. Um, we, uh, it's a great formula. We really love it. Um, and uh, what's really heartening is that everybody else seems to love it as well. Um, yeah, I have met lots of people uh, who have no idea that I'm involved in it, or that, or that Jules and I set it up, um, and. Uh, They've been endlessly complimentary, and it's really, really nice to to have a thing like, ah, we've created a a nice little sort of safe space. I think all of the jams in London are absolutely excellent. I've I've had amazing fun times everywhere that I've been. uh, Shout out to Duck Duck Goose, oop oop, particularly. Is that how you do a shout out, isn't it? I believe that is. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, yeah, I love I love those guys. I love all the jams. Um, we just thought that um, hey, let's try what? How can how can we do something that adds even more value to a sort of jam experience? Um, uh, so you know, and the sort of thing we didn't want to break a box that didn't need breaking. Um, I think jams generally work, and people know what to expect. I think there's sort of formula of um, the hosts kind of being really uh, uber kind of um, friendly and welcoming and the thing that we do with the warm-up as well at the beginning 
um, I think is probably goes a long way towards answering why people are so fond of it. Mm. Um, uh, I quite enjoy jams, but I have heard millions. No, I've not met millions of people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I have lots of people saying, oh, it's just a bit tough when you've got to go up with people you don't know and you haven't met them and the first time you're on stage with them is the first time you meet them. And that's one side of the coin. The other side is like, oh, the first time I meet somebody is when I was on stage. And there are people who I now do improv with and and are very close friends of mine who has occurred to me and I probably imagine the same is true of you. It's like, Oh, do you know what? Where did we meet? Oh, we met on stage. <laughs> I played an old lady and you played a dog. <laughs> so I remember you. Yeah, so I think, uh, I think uh, that that's great to um, have people meet each other and connect for, you know, at least sort of 20 minutes, half an hour. Um, and then also structuring the jams a little bit um, so that there's an element of randomness as well, but that the hosts of the night can kind of steer it and allow people, where, people who come again and again and again, we kind of get a sense now of what they like doing and where the edges of things that make them comfortable are and where the edges of things that actually wouldn't it be fun to push them a little mm. bit in this direction. And so, yeah, I think we like to feel that it's sort of part workshop, part jam and a, and a show as well. Um, yes, that, that's really nice. Um, so, so the for those that haven't been along, the formula is ah, and formula, that is, yeah. has the formula evolved? Did you get it right from the start? Is what I'm <laughs> asking. Or, and are there going to be any changes to this season? Uh, we got it right exactly first time. No, nice no, work. we didn't. Nice <laughs> yeah, work. yeah. So. Uh, well, we had the benefit of time travel. So, <laughs> yeah. Makes yeah. things a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Some things a lot harder, yeah. but some improv a lot easier. Exactly. Really. But because we we're improvisers, we did the Bill and Ted version of time travel, <laughs> where I said, "I'm just going to leave a key," and then the key was there. Um, Spoilers. So, yeah. Actually, I, we have changed it slightly, uh, or we, I, whoever, all of us, we've changed it. Um, so what I was really keen to to ensure when we started was that jammers felt like their jam, their little kind of niche of the, the show, was just as important as an act that was coming on. Um, I will never use the word headline act. Mm-hmm. Um, or anything like that, no matter what kind of part in the, the lineup you are in. Um, uh, and but uh, over time, it's felt like the um, that it wouldn't it be nice to give even more to the people who have come here to jam, even more to the people that are either new to the nursery or new to improv. So um, so formerly we had three acts and three jam sessions. And they almost always ran over. Mm. And I think the last thing you want is to get the end of the night when you're doing this sort of high energy, super fun stuff. And people are kind of clock watching. Mm. Um, So I've sort of reduced it to two acts um, and still three jams. And that just means everything has a bit more space. There's more breathing space. um, And um, yeah, there's more space for things like the concept jam, which is something that we, we do that I don't think anybody else does. Um, for good reasons, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, yeah, space like things for the for the concept jam, and also the long form jam to kind of have the time that they need to be the things that they are. Right. That yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, for for the listeners who who haven't yet been to, I've underlined the word yet in my speech <laughs> there to TNL. Um, the concept jam is uh, the 
effectively you just it's lots and lots of scenes your name's drawn out of the hat pretty much like it is in any other kind of jam scenario um only there's a sort of bonkers sort of artifice that we put over the top of it some of my favorite one uh, and so we get you to play within um the sort of a world that we're defining um my favorite things that we've had in the um concept jam the other thing is that they're all secret as well so mm. nobody knows what's going to happen until they get up there which <laughs> i think is fun and uh, and for me it reminds me of when i started uh, going to improv classes a, a billion years ago and um no, I haven't been alive for a billion years. Yeah, I get in time. Yeah, I get, yeah. Uh, and that sort of like, oh my God, what's going to happen to me? I know it's going to be good. Um, yeah. Uh, so what, what are some of the great ones we've had? Well, we've had, um, I blew up lots of different shaped balloons and right. had people shove them up their jumpers or their t-shirts or down their trousers and use the... <laughs> you have some people with capacious trousers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got some hip people coming these right. days, you see. Um, so they have loose trousers. Yeah, loose people. trousers are cool now. Yeah, loose trousers. I'm are glad cool. this. Is, I'm yeah. glad I'm finally finding out what's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your Marks and Spencer loose fit. Like people are going to be after this look. Yeah, now. well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we had people with balloons uh, in their clothes, and they had to use the sort of the shape of their body to define a character. Right. Um, we've had one which was completely in the dark. Um, I think we also had one which was uh, blindfolded with, with some helpers as well, so it's sort of not right. dissimilar. Um, we've ah, we've had one which was entirely in French. Maybe we? <laughs> yes, both. This <laughs> 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 French, French as I can manage. Um, uh, oh, but I should say about that one that, that uh, there were only three people in the room who could speak French, and none of them were in the jam. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, some really great ideas. That there's been like teen movies and, and things like that. Um, and we've got lots and lots of hosts every week at TNL. Um, so it's not always me. Um, so uh, we mix it up a lot, and there's a lot of sort of variety of, of things to expect. Yeah, I, yeah, I like the danger element of right. of improv a yeah. little bit as well, and yeah. that's quite nice to bring that back. Yeah, danger, but in a safe environment. Marvelous. That's yeah. my favourite sort of danger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like running with knives, only the knife is made of jelly. Oh, a jelly yeah, knife. Jelly knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supporting you in your jelly knife, uh, in your jelly knife uh, metaphor. <laughs> I feel, uh, yeah, I feel supported. Yeah. I said that slightly S- sarcastically. Only very, very, very slightly. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I'm so nervous. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I like an extended uh, metaphor that absolutely doesn't work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come along, it's fun. Yeah, come on. Even yeah. if you hate jams, which I sort of do. Yeah. But you've been to TNL many times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. yeah. Um, well, the thing with jams, my mm. advice, not that anyone's asked for it, is just keep doing them. And eventually they'll get less and less painful. And you might never really enjoy them, but you just won't hate them as much. Yeah, it's a, the, from a performer's point of view, um, I suppose the difficulties can arise or, or sticky moments can arise when if you're very used to playing in one type of way or mm. coming from one sort of um, school of improv or something like that that um, that it might be difficult entering into a scene with somebody who has a has a, a different viewpoint on, on how that scene should sort of be initiated mm. um, so I guess my advice would be um, uh, 
uh, remember not to pre-decide what you're going to do before you get on there. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and um, and it's it kind of um, reinforces that like the listening skill mm. really is that you have to listen with your ears and your eyes mm. um, and sort of make sure you really know what's going on and what's happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would add to that by saying, give yourself permission to do really, really terrible improv oh yeah and 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 no no it doesn't matter nobody's going to chuck you out of the improv scene for terrible terrible improv no yeah i think the freedom to fail is really important when i first started um sort of taking classes in improv which this is my 10th year as anniversary of doing um, improv i've done what was called improv and drama school years before then, but it wasn't until I took the first class. I was like, oh, that wasn't improv at all. That was just making things up. Um, <laughs> there was a spontaneity shop. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, who were uh, still around, I think. Mm, yeah. um, and uh, at the end of each session, or the beginning of each session, they would get everybody into a circle with hand on heart and fist held up high, and you had to yell at each other or, or to yourself from your soul, I suck and I love to fail. <laughs> um, and for some reason, that really clicked with me, and I yeah. just really liked that. I think perhaps that's my personality. It speaks to my personality that um, that I'm a perfectionist, and that uh, and you know the the kind of I'm the type of person who won't do a thing for fear of it not being perfect or fear of failure. Hmm. So the idea of oh, failure is part of the journey, and that's part of the joy, and like unexpected pleasures come out of allowing yourself to fail hmm. and giving yourself the freedom. That was one of the things that sort of hooked me, right? And it was like a, a curtain lifting mm. um, in my in my mind. Yeah. So, when you're improvising, yeah, what would you say is your style? Oh, what a horrible question. Yeah, yeah. no, that's fun. Well, no, it's, you know, it's good. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe phrase it another way: If someone were to improvise with you in a jam, yeah, what could they do? That would delight you. Ah, uh, I think um, I like to try and be really, really specific mm. with the um, world building stuff, um, and I also absolutely love it. I think, yeah, the thing that would really um, make me happy is somebody endowing me like a quite a, a, an interesting, rich endowment that is really far out of the kind of stable of characters that you kind of walk onto stage with sometimes if you're on your own first. Because um, as much fun as you can have with the 20-odd things that you kind of know and are in your back pocket, like, oh, yeah, this kind of character viewpoint or this kind of physicality, um, yeah, it's great to be endowed as uh, a dog or old lady, <laughs> <laughs> for example. Yeah, I think that that's super fun. Um yeah, New Choice has been a favourite game of mine for a long, long, long time. Mm, yeah, it's sort yeah. of stuck around. As It's just really nice to kind of um, have somebody there to keep you honest mm. and stop you from pre-planning. Mm. Um, I'm probably quite a heady improviser. I am quite fond of wordplay. Um, I am probably have a bit of a proclivity to make jokes um, uh, and, you know, you could you sort of slap yourself on the wrist a little bit when you're on the sidelines going like no 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 Jonah just listen to what's happening you don't need to walk on with that punchline <laughs> um, 
the scene might be better or worse without it. Just leave, just just to see what the scene needs rather than what your bloody joke is going to be. <laughs> Chances are it will just be a cock joke. <laughs> so you mentioned you have a stable of characters. Right. Can you yeah. tell me about a couple of the residents <laughs> of the stable? Some of the, well, the, well, the, the horses, I suppose. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. You come on playing horses. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I think I have a, a sort of uh, this pet theory that um, everybody has like these three or four or, or half a dozen accents that we do, that the accents that we heard growing up that we that were different to our own. <laughs> And that we just sort of found entertaining or amusing or or, or interesting in some way. So my uh, my granddad, um, uh, well, he was a, he was a tough. Uh, I say I say he was a tough Yorkshireman like that. And so uh, often, and uh, he was totally no nonsense as well. Um, that was a terrible uh, terrible version of it. <laughs> yeah, but it, I think that's probably. I think I quite like playing with voices and things like that as well. Um, yeah, that's definitely one. I, I it's yeah, it's, they're probably all based on characters from from my childhood. I've got quite a ridiculously animated family. One half of them are sort of Persian and extravagant, and the other half of them are very very English and and absolutely bonkers eccentric. Um, uh, yeah, and they all seem to have really bizarre voices really? and I, my mum has a ridiculous way of speaking as well and when I've impersonated my mum to girlfriends for example they've gone oh don't be cruel that's not what your mum sounds like and then they've met and they've gone oh yeah my impression is spot on yeah. <laughs> shout out to mum you are ridiculous thanks very much what has she ever done for me eh uh, everything I didn't ask to be born <laughs> yeah. uh. literally everything yeah <laughs> Yeah, I I think that's probably yeah that's a rambling answer, but it's yeah I I my theory my pet theory is that our kind of go to stable of characters are probably ones that we heard when we were little mm. and we kind of gravi- gravitate towards those. So when you're finding your way into a character, yeah, is it voice rather than attitude or physicality that informs the character, or is it? A I think. It's, I think, my go-to is a sort of 50-50 mix of physicality and voice, I think. I would like it to be attitude a bit more. Um, and that's the sort of the work that I try to do for, for myself when I'm sort of in classes and courses myself. But yeah, I think um, uh, I'm, I'm, if we were to do a scene right now... Um, yeah, yeah. We walk walk onto this stage, and uh, and you were the downstage, and you were chopping carrots, obviously, because <laughs> what else are you gonna do, right? <laughs> um, if you were chopping carrots, I would probably um, come in with an odd, like something strange about my hands or my physical. Not strange, but I'd sort of I'd make a, a choice, like an angle that I'd hold my body or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I sort of fairly, re- I fairly rarely play close to myself. I'd say. Interesting. Yeah, I, it just, I just find it easier to um, be creative and to find things that fit in the world that we're both creating. Right. If I'm not me. Yeah. Um, 
But then that's an, maybe that's an actor thing as well, because you know we're we're both narcissists and we hate ourselves at the same time. <laughs> like staring at our reflection, but going, "Oh, you absolute ugly bastard! You are a hideous human being, and your soul is black." That's just, no, no, just me. Okay. Oh well, I was. Uh, <laughs> I'm not here to explore uh, my. Uh, okay, yeah. Do you have that? Uh, what the the narcissism and and, yeah. and self loathing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, my I think um, yeah, you got. I think you have to be really careful with your ego. Do you find that one of the things that you find um, the most difficult to deal with in in other people or with other people is an aspect of their personality that you, that actually mirrors your own? Do you, do you ever find that? I've I've read that theory, and that you know, yeah, if you find if there's someone that really annoys you, then yeah, is it is it a reflection of something that you do? Mm. I don't think, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think of people who annoy me. <laughs> the names of who I'm not going to share on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm trying to think, well, do they represent aspects of my personality? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what is it for me? I think um, uh, I often, I, I fear um, being... I think possibly one of my greatest fears is is uh, is is feeding uh, people thinking that I'm a hypocrite. That's right. probably my one of my greatest fears. And the sort of second one is um, kind of uh, having an out of control ego as well. I think we all, I think we most of us could do with kind of checking our ego every now and then. But that's that's especially with performing and mm. things like that. Um, you know in the the world in which we're in in improvisation is a growing and uh, a massive and it's enormous but you know uh, there's no there's no reason to get uh, too excited about oneself i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think there's a balance to be had yeah um yeah it's interesting so what are you worried that people will think you're a hypocrite about um God, this has gone deep, hasn't it? Yeah, Listeners, yeah. yeah. It's that well-known <laughs> bit of the... <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't have an end to that sentence, no, so I just, you know. But yeah, so just for reference, there's a single tear uh, rolling down my cheek right now. <laughs> Stuart has tapped me deep, <laughs> so to speak. Um, what am I worried that uh, people find hypocritical? Um, I think... Um, I think it's... I think it's that um, that I fear behaving um, in such a way uh, that that when I see it in other people, I go Ugh. right. And sometimes I've gone home at the end of a night or a thing or whatever a meeting and gone, oh god, I did that thing and it was really ugly and oh, and I such as such as talked about myself for an hour. <laughs> it's, there's an irony. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you about my new project, Stuart. Well. Oh my God, that's exactly what we're doing. Oh my God, existential <laughs> crisis. Well, well, I, but I'm interested in people's projects. Yeah. Whether I'm, perhaps that's why I've set up a podcast yeah. to record people talking about their projects. So. Oh, it's, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because on the one, on the one hand, you're really excited about, yeah. and you believe in, and you've dedicated like uh, um, x amount of time to something that you give 
a million shits about hmm. um, and you love and you want to share with the world. Um, on the other hand, there's a sort of maybe it's like a, a, a culture clash between like wanting to share this awesome thing hmm. and also, but also. I'm British and I can't <laughs> wave a flag about it. The only flag that I can wave is the Union flag. <laughs> um, yeah, and maybe maybe it's that. Maybe it's 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 sort of not wanting to be boastful. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think as ever, it depends on your audience to a certain extent. Because I have a a three line rule that if someone outside of improv asks me how improv is going, right. About three lines. That's probably about as much as they're interested in. They just want the headlines, really. They don't yeah. want, like, oh, and then I did this, and then they did that, and then... Yeah. <laughs> so you don't say to them, oh, well, I've been really working on kind of game theory. And <laughs> how I... <laughs> yeah, they go, oh, yeah, the game. I read that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read the game? <laughs> no, but I know enough about it to want to vomit. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Because, you know, I find um, dating to be a, yeah. a strange... And miss, it's like I can be friends with people. Yeah. I'm pretty good at that. I'm not saying I'm the best, <laughs> but you know, overall, pretty good at that. I understand that. And then dating comes along, and I'm like, well, actually, having a book that explains it would be helpful. But that, that the game, I didn't read all of it. But no. I was like, this is not. This does not contain the answers I'm looking yeah. for. <laughs> there, there might be more to the game than I than I know, but f- from what I know of it, which is to word of mouth, I sort of don't really want to go near. Although I must say, Stu, you're looking very attractive. Although you could look better. Oh, so that's, yes, yeah, that's the yes. thing, right? Yeah. No, now you've nicked me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't, oh, here's it's... my number, but you can't have it yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see, that, the thing I is, the, these these are some of the best offers I've had in a very long time, so I'm, I'm really reconsidering okay. some of my uh, options. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so um, so we were yeah we were talking about uh, you being a hypocrite, or rather, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, or uh, rather you not wishing to be perceived as being a hypocrite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then there's the the ego, and does your ego get out of hand, um, or do you worry that people think your ego is getting out of hand? That's what I worry. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know as it is out of hand. I don't know as if I've ever had cause to really check myself and say, "Oh my word, that was a ridiculous thing that you just said to that person." <laughs> but. But that's one of the governing fears of my life is that people will think, oh my God, that guy just goes on about himself. He's that guy just sits in a theatre building <laughs> on an afternoon and talks about himself to a man who's willing to listen. And, and sure. tens of people listening. <laughs> it's quality, not quantity. Yeah. I should remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, I the way I sort of look at that is if I'm worrying about doing that, mm. then that's probably a good sign because the people who aren't worrying about it are much yeah. more likely to do it and not exactly. notice it. So, yeah, I think if you're self-aware enough mm. about yourself, then I think you're probably all right. Yeah. I think I'm probably all right. You're probably Am all I? right. Don't know. Yeah, this Am is, I? Yeah. I can't you're tell. You're probably all right. Okay. Yeah, you're probably all right. That's, okay. uh, that's the uh, Improv London uh, seal of approval. You're, You're probably, probably all right. right. I'll have that. Yeah. Can you, can You're probably I... all right. Three stars. Oh, what? But it read like a four, <laughs> listeners. It read like a four. <laughs> I was going to ask for that for my next editor post. 
Uh, cool. Um, so you're uh, also interested in kind of the tech side of things. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we've got a we've got a. He says leaning around, so he's off mic. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. Yeah. (laughs) I was was looking around the room at our theatre to uh, point with my imagination at things. Yes. So we've got a nice little setup in here, which is is great. And we can start to create shows that kind of lean more into um, the sort of theatre. So I've had this thought for a while, and I don't think I'm the only person. uh, I'm certainly not the only person. And I know Chris. Um, hashtag Chris Mead is the hashtag. Is that what we're, we're doing? doing that? Is that how know. hashtags work? Yeah. We say hashtag Chris Mead and then it turns up on the internet with a higher SEO ranking. Yeah, yeah. he'd love that. Well, it will do when I if, when I get around to getting oh, these transcribed. Yeah, you do the tags. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but I'd love to get it. We'll save this for afterwards. But I think it'd be a good idea to get this transcribed. Hashtag transcribed. Transcribed. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, we've had conversations here and I about the sort of. Um, uh, here's the thing. I think wouldn't it be amazing if um, s- somebody sitting in their apartment in Chicago um, had just done a bunch of improv courses and they said, um, you know what? This I've no idea how they speak in Chicago. Uh, yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I want to take a class in London style improv. Yeah, uh, improv. Um, and then they jump on a plane and they come over here and they do six weeks of coming around to all of our and uh, and I don't know what that will be and I think we're definitely in the beginning stages of finding that. Um, but um, I had one thought, which is that um, you know Britain has got possibly the strongest and uh, most sort of historic tradition of groundbreaking theatre, right? Um, uh, You'd find it very difficult any night of the week not to find something incredible that would change the way you thought about yourself or 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 the world um, in London, uh, I guess in the UK in general. Um, So why, uh, as British improvisers or as improvisers in London, I should say, are we not leaning on that a little bit? Why are we bringing some of the the kind of theatre in? And that's a sort of roundabout way of saying, well, one of the things we can start doing with is playing with... um, uh, with like mise en scène, like you know things like the the semiotics of theatre, lighting, sound design, um, uh, music, live music, I should say, mm. which is done a bunch in improv um, to an extent, um, and there are lots of um, there are lots of groups who are who are now playing with that, but I'd. I'd like to see even more of that being done. Mm. Part of this restriction is that there doesn't, or there hasn't until now, existed uh, uh, many spaces for allowing for that. Um, the Hoopla has a, a, a great setup. Um, we've got a great setup. Um, the FA Room has got a good, great setup as well. Um, so let's let's start to play with that and create shows where. Um, where the technical improviser is as much a scene partner as the people on stage. I mean, you'll see it if you go to watch the best improv shows that we have, which Showstopper and, uh, and Ostentatious, John Monkhouse and, uh, and Damien, respectively, are both fantastic at, at what they do. Um, and they are an equal part of what is happening. Uh, I mean, I, I can speak more to Ostentatious because I sort of know them a little bit better. But yeah, I know that they see John as a as an equal part of what's happening on stage, and um, and they have a long-standing relationship, and he will make offers, and and they're taken up on, you know. Um, 
so that's that's sort of my my feelings like let yeah let's let's pull more of the theatrical side into it as well and um yeah i think there's other elements of sort of the the london or the british theater scene that can be looked at and can can start to find their ways into improvisation theater as well um but that's the one that i'm interested in because i like pressing buttons yeah 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 no i'm fantastically excited and you know, I don't think either of us are saying for one minute all improv should just be one way. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that they the magic of bringing the magic of theatre. Yeah, even yeah, just yeah. music can just lift a scene. You know, can bring emotions. It can contain offers. You know, I just think there's so much potential there, and just yeah, some you know some gentle lights or something like that. Yeah, I find that really exciting. I do as well. And here's the thing: it's like. Wouldn't it be great to get to a point where improvisers are thinking not just about you know how their show works narratively or how it works structurally or or, or how they work together in, in whatever way, but um, uh, but they start to think about how can we affect the audience mm. in in what we're doing as well? How can we give the audience something more than than what is present on stage? How how can we get to a point where they're leaving the room or leaving the theatre um, and they're talking about the show they've just seen as if they've just walked off of the RSC or they've just walked out of the National Theatre. Mm. Um, I'm not for a minute saying, you know, it should stop being funny because, as we previously discussed, I am terrible at <laughs> making terrible jokes. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, I think, I don't think it's a pipe dream. I think no. we're really, really close. I think Sonda, um, which was here at the nursery, um, uh, yeah. which Chris uh, put together um, with uh, Sally and Emily, those guys, was wonderful. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, I've had a bunch of projects in the pipeline for a while that have been waiting to have a theatre space um, in order to do them. Um, so I'm sort of throwing everything at the next two big projects that I'm going to do here at the nursery um, with the hope that somebody will go, well, that was a bit too much for me. But I loved the fact that um, that they used uh, like a little standard lamp on a table yeah. um, in the opposite side of the theatre to the stage for one scene, yeah. for example. Um, or, oh yeah, smoke machines are a thing. Oh, I love smoke machines. Yeah. I really want my own smoke machine because Tom Bacon always takes the key home. <laughs> one day he'll forget, one day he'll forget. <laughs> and then he'll come back. And the stage will still be filled full of smoke, even though it'll be like days after I've used it. Yeah, I mean, you should see my wish list for the Improvised Twin Pig show. It's just a long list of ridiculous amounts of things that I've fantasised about. <laughs> so I, the other day I went and um, I called uh, a sort of film industry, like a film special effects prop department, just to see, you can get, do you know about squibs? Do you know what they are? You know when you know when uh, in movies people explode with blood like they've just been shot. So yeah. they have little squibs, like it's a little pack of blood, yeah. and it's connected to um, a little kind of motor that this sits in their pocket or something like that. But now they have ones where they're so safe that it's operated by air. It's like a little pneumatic air. Pssst, wow! Rather than being an actual explosion, so they're safe to use without. Well, basically. They're, they're so safe to use it, even an improviser could use it. Is what I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, so uh, I, yeah, I definitely am um, umming and ahhing about 
whether whether there's space in the budget for fake blood explosions <laughs> and if there's a cause to have them. And surely doesn't every member of my cast now have to be rigged with blood packs because we don't know <laughs> who's going to be shot. Who's going to be shot. Or if anyone will be shot. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the owls are not what they seem. Yes. Improvised Twin Peaks, yeah, part yeah. of the Nursery Originals series. Yeah. What was the... I was going to ask what was the inspiration, but I feel <laughs> that's rather walking into a trap. Well, I feel that David Lynch has <laughs> taken a lot from my work. Um, <laughs> no, you're taking it back. <laughs> yeah. Um, Say, so why yeah. Twin Peaks? Why Twin Peaks? Um, I think, uh, hey, the quote is often bandied around all the time when they say, you know, it set the standard for what television could do. It changed, it changed um, what... Uh, kind of serial television storytelling was when it came out um, that it still continues with the new season that's just finished it still continues to kind of dazzle and and confuse um, and uh, and break new ground in storytelling um, and so there's part of the effect that it had on the audience which um, I'd love to sort of see previous conversation and mm. sort of with, with improvisation. And there's also the kind of, for me, there's an over, uh, I mean, you might say it's cinematic, but I'm going to call it the theatrics of it all, um, that lends itself quite well to, to um, improvisation. Even though I do know for a fact that David Lynch hates people improvising <laughs> um, <laughs> in a few interviews and essays. Uh, but uh, the plan is that it's it, the show exists within the world of Twin Peaks. It's not, um, you know, episode fourteen. It's uh, as a kind of it's um, it, maybe it's happened between seasons, or it's but it's definitely set in the kind of eighties or early nineties. Um, and uh, but just not really featuring any of the characters right. from the show. But there might be a, a few here and there, some of the sort of favourite characters. Um, why specifically Twin Peaks? I think um, it. I I had a recurring nightmare for years and years and years between the age of about sort of seven and twenty eight, <laughs> um, where uh, where um, do you remember the scene? And this might even be from Firewalk with me, where uh, where. Uh, Audra, who's my co-director, I should say, she is the the brains behind all the David Lynch stuff. Right. Um, so she will maybe listen back to this and go, "You imbecile!" Clearly, <laughs> episode. <laughs> but the scene where Bob is coming through Laura Palmer's window, um, or is sort of coming through the the curtains, mm. and um, I was far too young to be watching it mm. right, um, at the time. Uh, I don't think my parents knew what I was getting up to <laughs> um, and uh, and it absolutely scared the bejesus out of me I had nightmares about about Bob for years and years and years and I think I'd sort of forgotten about it and I thought well, what's the most like lasting impact a piece of television or a piece of theatre or a piece of cinema has had on me it's like oh yeah well there was well, but there was that that thing there um um and I thought, well, well, it sort of seems right to kind of come back to that, um, see if we can... Well, this is sort of what I was harking about a minute ago. Like, how can you affect the audience? Mm. Well, that really affected me. How can we create um, a piece of theatre, improvised theatre, which is as, as disturbing as it is entertaining? Um, yeah, so it's, it's loosely going to be kind of a long-form narrative 
piece. But I mean, as with the show, sort of cognitive dissonance plays a big role in it. I think I wouldn't go so far as to saying some scenes are just there because. (laughs) But um, yeah, we're we're definitely, um, we're not absolutely beholden to the show, um, which will allow for some fun surprises Mm. um, and some creepy things to happen. So when you're... So what stage are we at in the process for this? Uh, Tonight is the second rehearsal. Oh, wow. And the first rehearsal was last week, and... um, the cast I've got is incredible, and I and we we did a few sort of exercises towards the end of the session, which sort of which veered into I think the show is going to look a little bit like this if cool. we play this game, yeah, yeah. and um, uh, yeah, and it's it's absolutely remarkable what um what the the cast are doing. I that yes, beyond my wildest dreams, they are incredible, and I consider myself genuinely really really fortunate to be working with them. Um, yeah, so it's uh, that's that's also incredible and exciting having um, really really seasoned and amazing players. Uh, but also, one of the great things about Nursery Originals is that um, we we must we should we we uh, we are obliged to also cast outside of our friendship group, let's mm. say, or, or people that we know. Um, so Audra and I advertised it publicly, and we had um, loads of uh, auditions. We had a huge audition. Um, and uh, I think 40% of the cast are people that have never been to the nursery before. Wow. Um, had heard of Hoopla. Right. Um, you know, uh, they are um, fantastic, and it's a joy to have them in it, and I hope that they stick around in the scene for a long, long, long time to come. Mm. So, yeah, they're wonderful. So where whereabouts were you advertising it? Oh, so uh, Casting Call Pro, or Mandy, as it's now called. Um, so that's a kind of acting messaging board and, and spotlight. Um, and I put it on lots of um, sort of actor yeah. Facebook groups as well, cool. things yeah, like yeah. that, as well as it being advertised on the nursery website and it went out to sort of improvisers. We had people via the nursery website as well who um, who I didn't know, which was excellent, Um I think there was about 28 people in in the audition room and there were like four or five that I'd invited. Cool. Um, Yeah. How much Twin Peaks... Hmm. Is it... How much Twin Peaks is going to be in the show, i.e.? Right. um, You know, so I'm sort of thinking from the cast, you know, how many of them have order like, you know perceptions and knowledge of the show mm. and how yeah well so Audra has the encyclopedic David Lynch knowledge um, uh, which is incredible um, I just want to play in uh, wacky crazy worlds and make theatrical <laughs> experimental things um, uh, and, and Audra is sort of there as my co-director to say well that's not really David Lynch or, uh, or, um, or whatever it is yeah um, how close to the show will it be? I think it will... F- I hope it will feel like an episode that never aired and it's that one episode where you're like, do you remember the episode where it didn't have any of the regular cast yeah, in yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But it was really, really great and interesting as well. I think it would be, be that. Um, yeah. Uh, it will... It will... It will feel 
like, or I hope it will feel like you are inside the world a little bit as well. We're going to do something quite special with this, the set design. Hashtag, there's a set design. Right. Um, yeah, that's nice. not a hashtag that you can have. <laughs> no, yeah, so there'll, there'll be a, a full set design and um, it's sort of probably, as I hinted towards before, going to be semi-immersive oh, in that wow. we'll, um, we'll use the stage, of course, but we'll use probably corners of the room and if people go home going, oh, yeah, it was fun, but my neck really hurts, like, I think David Lynch will be happy with your pain. Um, I think he'll be happy that you are in pain whilst watching this and confused. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that that's as close as it'll be. I, I think we would possibly be doing our audience a disservice or not giving them part of what they're coming for if we didn't at least have, like, the, the odd log lady or Andy, or, you know, their sort of favourite um, kind of B characters. Mm. Yeah, but um, I probably shouldn't give away all of the details as much as I want to. Yeah, yeah. I'll, sh- I'll show you the set design off, off, I was about to say off camera, off microphone <laughs> um, later. Uh, but everybody else will have to wait and see um, at the preview in a couple of weeks. And then when we start the full uh, full week run in November. Cool. Excellent. Uh, you mentioned you have two projects coming up. Can you talk about the second project? Oh, the one after? Oh, this has been talked about before in your podcast. This is a project called Wired, which is um, which is uh, a sort of a series of workshops or free workshops on um, technician skills for improvisation. Um, but it, it's sort of uh, so we we I, I did we had one workshop in July. Um, and we'll we'll do another few before the end of this year uh, if we have time. But they'll all, the idea is that they'll always sort of be free, and we we'll try to bring in people that have sort of um, they've gone. Oh, I, I might quite like to, like I was saying, I might quite like to play with the lights uh, hmm. at the nursery or hoopla or whatever. How do I? How would I go? I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, how do I color mix? Where do I plug my phone in to play music? Like uh, yeah, the, yeah, everything yeah. from that all yeah. the way up to. Um, Okay, so if I asked to come in a couple of hours early, how could I go on a lighting desk and program some presets so that I had, you know, five to ten things that I knew that I could kind of queue up and go between um, that were kind of interesting and and contrasting or or whatever. Yeah, so so it's one part of this sort of workshop program um, and uh, another part, uh, a kind of show format that John Monkhouse and I um, did a lot of work on way back when um, and then there's sort of been a huge in-between time where the nursery didn't have a theatre space to do anything about that yeah. so uh, early next year that will kind of kick off again properly and it will um, yeah the idea behind that is uh, sort of again pushing the sort of envelope a little bit with what's possible with um, kind of light and sound design and live music within improvisation uh, and seeing whether um, just for fun, just as a, a curious experiment, um, whether we can, uh, we talked about before having um, sort of the, the the lighting technician being a performing partner um, that's equal to the people on the stage as opposed to, you know, just calling the edit points or something like that. But what if we put that in the foreground? 
what if we put the technicians on the stage with the improvisers with very long extension leads <laughs> um, and it felt like Daft Punk was there. Right. Um, you know, it's like Daft Punk meets improv. Um, you know, there's smoke machines, there's lasers, there's <laughs> colours, there's stuff like that. And um, what worlds can... Uh, uh, what worlds can they create on the stage that the improvisers then can then inhabit and how will that affect how they play together um, I have no answers to those questions because we'll sort of we'll see yeah but it's, it's a sort of a bit of an experiment and hopefully we'll have a little run of that and, and do a few of those next year and then look at sort of um, uh, the sort of idea with it that it, we could um we, it's sort of more of an experimental mm. theatre project that uses improvisation right. and that it would be nice to sort of try and put it on at the Battersea Arts Centre or something like that well, um, which now that we have had two improv shows uh, this is the news of, of the yes. week right now is that Ostentatious uh, is now heading into the West End following Showstopper which is um, incredible yes. the West End yes, that's incredible um, so, so uh, you know Battersea Arts Centre as well is an, an amazing venue that supports really creative and interesting projects. So it'd be nice to do something there. Cool, that sounds great. Um, another project that you're involved in is the Bumper Blighton. Oh yeah. Uh, so is it Bumper uh, Blighton Improv yes. Adventure? No, Bumper, uh, Bumper Blighton. Well, I've sort of changed the name oh, to uh, make it even more confusing. Okay. Yeah, Bumper Blighton, <laughs> the Improvised Adventure. Ah, <laughs> right. Cool. Um, Yes, uh, yeah, that's great. Actually, we uh, so we've just come back from Edinburgh with um, with that show. We did the whole month. Um, it's been around for a little while. Again, it's one. Of the, it's just a project that we rested and then brought back again. Um, and it's got a fantastic cast. It's, uh, we um, kind of our casting pool was quite large this time, so we've got about twelve people in the crew overall. And, you know, the usual kind of five or six per show. Um, and the sort of second we landed and got back, um, Steve Rowe, um, shout out, Steve Rowe, oop, oop, uh, said, hey, would you like a monthly residency at Hoopla? So starting next month, we're going to be at Hoopla until June or some May, June next year, which is amazing. Um, and we also have a monthly residency now that I can announce. This is news to everybody because yeah. uh, I just signed a contract today. We also have a monthly residency at the Canal Cafe Theatre, wow. um, which is great. And yeah. they've been really, really supportive and lovely. Um, and yeah, so that's exciting to, to put our show in there. And um, and a few regional tour dates that will sort of we'll confirm. Lovely. Like that. Yes, that, yeah, it's a super fun show. It's if... Um, People haven't seen it or haven't heard of it. That's fine. <laughs> I fully expect lots of people not to have. Uh, it's um, so Enid Blyton was uh, probably the most prolific. No, no, wait. She is the most prolific children's author. She wrote. Oh, I did know this number. Um, Seven hundred and sixty-two wow. books. I think. I mean, Wikipedia can correct me, but Lots. it's definitely it's it's seven hundred and something books uh, in her lifetime. And um, as I like to say at the beginning of every show, uh, for very complicated legal reasons, this is not one of them. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so it's sort of sort of. Uh, so she wrote these children's books, like the famous Five, Secret Seven, Mallory Towers, and so on and so on. And um, for people of a certain age, they are as much as part of their childhood as. Uh, I don't know, as, their actual as, childhood. As their actual childhood, yeah. Um, so it's great to play in that world. It's super fun, and it's um, it's kind of 1940s romp, and um, 
uh, it's nice to sort of um, send up the the values of the time, uh, or particularly Enid Blyton's kind of very moralistic but and conservative uh, values um, uh, against our own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's nice. And, uh, and this year we introduced the element of having songs in the show as Lovely. well. It's super fun as well. Cool. That sounds great. Okay, so the last sort of big question. Yeah. What would your advice be mm. for marketing, creating a successful show? Oh, right. Um, well... I can tell you that I've always cheated <laughs> um, a little bit by um, uh, so I've been part of sort of a, 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 a toddler's handful. I was going to say a small handful, a small handful of um, of uh, kind of marginally successful shows, particularly at the fr- at fringe festivals, anyway. Um, and uh, but by and large, they've all been a sort of um, genre shows or an improvised version of x property that i know that already exists and uh i'm not saying do that please don't do that that's my thing Um, uh, but i think um finding for uh a sort of a non-improvisers audience because the sort of yeah the audience for these shows are generally not improvisers Mm. uh, we've found um uh, so we're really excited about playing at Hoopla and, and gaining, uh, hopefully gaining that audience as well, um, is, is finding a way of um, hooking in an audience uh, who haven't seen improvisation and or have negative connotations about what improv is likely to be. Right. Um, forever on the Royal Mile, which is the main street in Edinburgh where most people would fly, paper fly you, um, you'll hear some poor sod in a university improv troupe saying come to my funny improv show <laughs> and then somebody will smugly say i don't like improv and uh, this, i think everybody said this but that's a little bit like saying um uh, you know i don't like I don't, you know oh, uh, come and see my art installation i don't like art yeah i've seen van gogh and i've decided that <laughs> i don't like all art um yeah uh which is a bit daft but uh, so I think that people need to be tricked a little bit into coming into an improv show. Um, um, I think, yeah, find, finding finding the hook that will make people like feel that oh, this is safe and this is going to be quality and mm. um, and this is um, you know this is going going to be sort of worth my time, and then kind of showing them what improv can do yes um in uh upstairs downton which is a show that i was a part of for uh four five years um we played at the fringe for, for a while as well we had a lot of fun with um halfway through the show it kind of turned into a short form show <laughs> right um uh, and we'd do things like lines from a hat and, and get the audience shouting crap at us and we'd have to, as Lord Grantham or whatever, <laughs> or the Dowager Countess, make that make sense in the 1920s, 1930s world. And um, uh, so I, I think, yeah, things like that where um, you can kind of show what improv is, mm. um, almost like uh, showing your workings yeah, to the yeah, audience yeah. and saying, how. Oh, Hey, did you enjoy this show? Did you realise that it was all entirely made up? If you do a great job, though, the best thing you can ever hope for is that people come out and going, "Well, I really liked the set pieces, but the um, <laughs> the improv pieces weren't weren't so good." <laughs> what they're really saying is like, "I liked some scenes yeah. and some scenes I didn't like," <laughs> but that's 
that's how they improvise. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Some of the scenes won't be good. Yes, <laughs> that is the nature of the art. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, yeah, but lot, I've, I've probably, I'm the sort of person that takes on a, a ridiculous amount of things because I get too excited and I want to do all of them now <laughs> for fear that, um, that I'll, I don't know. I don't know why. why. I just want to do all of them now. <laughs> so um, I'm, uh, I'm also starting uh, an improvised cartoon series. Wow. So I've been teaching myself animation. Um, uh, and yeah, so, so that will be, it'll probably be me and a guest, much like this, and I'll have you on if you'd like to be That'd on be it. lovely, thank um, you very much. And, um, uh, yeah, and we'd do a scene, and then, uh, and then we'd create the cartoon kind of in post. Cool. Sort of sync up the dialogue yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with the sort of scene. Um, so not dissimilar to Creature Comforts, right, the old yes. sort of Ardman animation, yes. um, but with improv. So I figured that's a fun thing that yeah. I haven't seen very much of. No. Um, that you can make pretty easily and bung on YouTube and, um, yeah. I've no, there's. I have got no like endpoint reason for doing any of these things other than oh, wouldn't it be fun if that existed? Yeah. Oh, does it exist? Google, Google, Google. No, I guess I'll have to make it. <laughs> I feel like that in my teaching as well. When yeah. I teach, often I'm incredibly. Uh, this is about to sound egotistical, isn't it? I, often I'm incredibly envious of the people that get to do the concept jam here, or people that get to do certain games when I'm teaching. Because I, I really want to do that myself. I can't somebody make me do that. I want to put a balloon up my jumper or whatever it is. Yeah, um, I, yeah. That's that's probably my <laughs> improviser's bane as well. Just saying yes to yes. too many things, isn't that? Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. That you. was really good. Cool. <laughs> I made this. That's improv. <laughs>